This episode of Women on the Rise is sponsored by The Riveter, a workspace designed for women and their advocates. Stay tuned to the end for more information about how you can join The Riveter's movement and ambition. I absolutely believe that in order for us to be successful, we have to focus on our self-care. Welcome to Women on the Rise. I'm your host, Laura Dolch, and each week I talk to thriving women about the practical self-care strategies they use to fuel their success and pursue what's most important to them in their careers and lives. We get real about topics like healthy eating, exercise, sleep, stress, time management, happiness, and productivity, while busting myths about work-life balance and being perfect along the way. My goal each week is to uncover a new insight or practical strategy that you can immediately apply to your life to recapture your momentum, mind, body, and soul. Today, I'm talking to Kylie Carr, a champion for women in leadership. Kylie is CEO of the Asbury Group, an organization specializing in image presence, branding, and leadership development for executive women. Her signature approach to advising clients, which combines a polished professional image with powerful personal presence, has helped high potential women thrive and advance to the C-suite. Kylie is also the host of the Beyond the Business Suit podcast, where she interviews powerful women in business, best-selling authors, and industry experts. Kylie's advice to female leaders has been featured in numerous publications, including Forbes, Fortune, and Monster.com. Thanks so much for being here, Kylie. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm excited to to talk to you. We, um, I, I have known about you for some time via your podcast. Actually, I think I first heard of you in an interview you did on, um, oh my gosh, what's her name? The money. Farnoosh Charabi. Yes. It was Farnoosh's podcast. Yes, totally. And that was like two years ago or something. Like almost exactly two. Actually, I take that back. I think it was, I think I did that interview in January of 2017. I believe. It might've been 2016. Yeah. Well, yeah, I heard you then. And it was during a time where I I was listening to Farnoosh's podcast, which, what is it called? So Money. Money. Yeah. There we go. Um, Because I was in this time where I was sort of like looking really more closely at my financial health and and just really trying to like, you know, get a handle on where I wanted to go with that and all that kind of stuff. So anyway, that's where I first came across you. And then I looked up your podcast and I was like, this chick is cool. I need to talk to her. <laughs> well, thank and then, of course, you. We, yeah, totally. Of course, we emailed about podcasting and stuff too. So, so yeah. But, but yeah, you know, I, I, um, I love your work because I think that it is. It's you're kind of trying. At least my perception is you're trying to do sort of the same thing that I'm trying to do with women, which is to help them be their most powerful selves. You're just coming at it from a slightly different angle. And you know, the the headline on your website homepage is unveil your most powerful self, which I just love. Can you talk a little bit about how you help women do that? Sure. I help women do that in three ways. Number one, I help them understand and articulate who they are. So really to tap into that personal power that they have inside them. Oftentimes we get so caught up in getting to the next level that we don't take a step back to think about, okay, who, who am I about? Like, who am I at my core and use that to drive us and fuel us forward. The second thing I help them do is to really understand what they're good at. 
And unfortunately, we live in a day and age where there are so many great leaders, which is not a bad thing. That's not unfortunate. However, <laughs> it's so easy to want to emulate these mm. great leaders out there. It's so easy to want to be like Sheryl Sandberg and Oprah Winfrey and, you know, Bill Gates and all of these great leaders without understanding, okay, what am I good at? What feels right to me? So I help them with that. And then finally, I help them in communicating that out to the world. And I do that through how they present themselves with their image, how they show up online, how they carry themselves in their overall presence. So there are a variety of ways in which they can communicate and demonstrate that personal power that they have within them. I love that. And I, that's so true that, you know, I was just thinking as you were listing off some of these luminaries that we all look to as role models, thinking, yeah, I have been known to say, you know, yeah, I'd like to be like Oprah or, you know, whatever. And there's, and that there's nothing wrong with that necessarily, but to your point, it can sometimes obscure like, okay, but who am I? Like, I'm not Oprah. (laughs) I'm not going to be Oprah. And that's not a bad thing. Right, right. And even Oprah herself talks about how when she was in, uh, she was an anchor on uh, a news anchor on television uh, in on a local station. And she used to want to be like Barbara Walters. So she tried to emulate Barbara Walters. And one day she was saying a news story and reading the teleprompter. And she said, and today in Kanata. And then she stopped and said, oh my gosh, I just said Kanata. And she laughed at herself on camera, which you never do, especially like this was in, I think the early seventies, early or mid seventies. You did not do that. Yeah. And she was mortified. The people in her at the station were mortified, but so many people (laughs) called in to say, who is that Oprah woman? You know, they could relate to her because she had a glimpse, a moment where she, she was herself and not trying to be like Barbara Walters. Yeah. Yeah. That's such a powerful lesson for all of us, for sure. And, and, and it is, it is so rewarding when you do have those moments where you say something or do something in public that that feels more authentic to who you are. Yeah. You always get amazing feedback, like whether it's that someone's disagreeing with you or like totally with you, it doesn't even matter. You get, it's just a different kind of energy that, that happens. Right. Yeah. Do you, when you're working with your clients about that, so what kinds of I'm curious about like what blocks come up for women around that when you're trying to help them get in touch with who they really are. What comes up that prevents them from doing that? Um, and how do you kind of help them move through that? Yes, I mean, it, there are a lot of blocks that come up. Um, for some women, it could be that they are used to doing a good job and they're focused on doing a good job and um, and not necessarily showing up in their most powerful way. They're not thinking about how they show up. They're thinking about what they're doing. So that is one thing that I help a lot of my clients with. Uh, confidence is strong in there as well. So oftentimes, especially in corporate environments, and a lot of my clients are in corporate environments, we're, we're taught to, you know, be a 
be a good student when we're growing up, you know, and yeah. even in class, many of time, many times when we're, many of us were in college or in grad school, I know even when I was in business school, a lot of women in my classes, you know, they would be, they would hesitate to answer questions because sometimes we feel like we need to be 120% confident it, that we know the answer before even raising our hands. But unfortunately, you know, compared to our, our male counterparts, they can feel four. 40% confident, but if they deliver it in a confident manner, then the people around them will say, oh, that was a great answer, even if it was completely wrong. So a part of what I do is help my clients deprogram that and really think about, okay, you are great at what you do and confidence is more important than competence in some regards. Mm -hmm. You are competent because if you weren't, you wouldn't be as, as successful as you've, you've been able to become. However, if you can layer on that confidence on top of that, you can be unstoppable. Yeah, yeah, I've I've heard and read that women often um attribute their success more often to luck yeah. than men do and it yeah. that reminds me of what you're what you're saying. Exactly. And one other block that I work with some of my clients on is helping them understand the importance of how they show up. And what tends to happen is, you know, how we show up, things like clothing and appearance seem very superficial. And yes, they are based on the, de the definition of superficial. Yes, they are superficial. <laughs> However, they make a huge impact. We only get seven seconds to make a first impression. When we meet someone for the first time, we get only 250 milliseconds to communicate how trustworthy and competent we are. And that contributes to how well someone sees you as a leader. So if we are not putting any effort into our appearance, if we're not showing up as a leader, then people will not, it will be a lot more difficult for people to follow you if they don't perceive you as a leader. Before anyone has any other information, how we show up is all we can give them. So that's another thing that I work with a lot of clients on is to understand that your appearance and your image is actually a tool. And this is not about, you know, buying a lot of designer clothing and spending a lot of money. It's really about being polished, professional, but more than anything else, showing up, visually communicating who you are to everyone else so that it uh, lessens the gap. So that when they look at you, they, they know what they're going to get. Totally. I'm, I'm over here like nodding profusely <laughs> because I could not agree more. And I, I, um, I'm going to get on my soapbox here for a minute. I don't need to because you just said it all. But I so um, grew up on the East Coast, lived in New York City, had a you know long career in media and advertising in New York City. You know, appearance is Im important, more important in New York than it is in Seattle. So I come to Seattle, mm -hmm. <laughs> which very is very different. casual. Yes, very casual environment, which in many ways is lovely and freeing. At the same time, I think people not just women, in fact, I would say more often men here, forget how important appearance is in, in as you said, in your ability to lead. And, and they're all like, oh, that's not important. It's like, you know, whatever. I mean, I have been to talks here where the speaker showed up in like basically pajama pants, you know, and my, my yeah. Um, 
Oh my goodness. Yeah. I mean, and, and I'm, and you know, I'm trying, I'm trying here not to, not to be judgy at the same time, like to your point, we're human, like whether, whether you like it or not, people judge you on your appearance instantaneously and ascribe some kind of, um, position to you, you know, to your point. So, so actually I have a question here, I promise. (laughs) And my question is how do you help women who maybe fall more under the Seattle camp? (laughs) Oh, it doesn't matter. I'm casual. It should only matter, you know, what I do, not how I look. How do you help them understand how important that really is to their success and power? Yeah. One of the things that I help them with is to, or one of the things that I ask them to do is to essentially do a 360 degree feedback um, session with some of their their friends, colleagues, um, family members, really just asking them about how they would describe their personal brand using three words. Very simple very simple question. What they end up getting back, it's usually not bad. It's usually like, even for those who are on the Seattle side of the spectrum, <laughs> when it comes to their, their, uh, their, how casual they are in terms of how they think about their, their personal style. What I find that, you know, I had one client who got some very, very nice things back, but they were pretty boring. They were boring. They were boring. So what I helped her understand is, okay, how do you want to be perceived? And this is what those words look like to me. This is how you can manifest that through your appearance. And that was how I was able to bridge the gap. In addition to that, I had to convince her and I had to convince other clients as well that it doesn't take a lot of time. It doesn't have to take a lot of time to do because a part of them are uh, what I, the feedback that I get back is, well, I don't have enough time. I don't have enough money or I need to lose weight. So with, I don't have enough time. I help them with capsule wardrobes. So you have you know, maybe it's 25 items that you mix and match for a season. And a season can be winter, spring, or uh, fall, winter, and spring, summer. Um, When it's, I don't have enough money, well, I am the queen of bargain shopping. (laughs) I mean, I, I, there, you don't have to spend a lot of money to have quality clothing. And I help them with that. So some of my clients, I even do personal shopping uh, for them, which I don't do that a lot anymore, but I have done that in the past. And then with the, I, I need to lose more weight. So I have some clients who are like, Oh, I still have these 15 pounds from when I had my baby four years ago that I just have to get off first. I help them understand that if somebody meets you today, they don't know what you looked like four years ago. Yeah. They don't know what you looked like yesterday. So let's show up as the best person that you can be today. And then if you lose weight, great. We can go to the tailor. We can, you know, get them taken in. We can go on another shopping trip and get some more clothes, but let's have you show up as your best self today. Yeah. Yeah. That's really powerful too. It's, it's interesting. A lot of the women that I work with, um, you know, weight loss, it depends. I mean, I, not all my clients are interested in losing weight, but the ones who are, that is, that is a, a really powerful shift for them. When I say, I, I want you to go out and buy some clothes that fit you now. Mm-hmm. Um, because, and, 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 and that, that transformation that happens internally for them when they feel 
you know, like their external appearance is better. And it's just, it's so, it's so powerful in so many different areas, um, including in the, you know, when you are trying to lose weight and achieve health goals, it actually helps you when you just, you know, when you on some level kind of embrace where you are right now, doesn't mean you have to stay there, but to your point, like be the best version of you right now. I love that. You have big dreams. Through hiking the Pacific Crest Trail, traveling solo to Tibet, starting your own business, running a marathon, nailing the presentation at the corporate retreat. But there's just one problem. You feel tired for no reason, lazy, lacking in confidence, like your entire identity has changed over the past 5, 10, 15 years. You used to be active, engaged, powerful, but those days are gone. Lost in the years you spent figuring out how to be a mom, how to rise to the top of your profession, how to be the best partner you can be to your spouse. In these 5, 10, 15 years, the only person not on your list was you. You've lost touch with the confident, active, powerful woman you remember being, and you're over it. That's why I created my free audio guide and online workshop to show you three surprising ways to reactivate the confident, healthy, and powerful you so you can wake up with the power to take on your goals. To get your free copy, visit lauradolch.com slash free dash guide. That's lauradolch.com slash free dash guide. Actually, I'm curious what you think about, since we're talking about, um, health sort of, we kind of shifted there. Do you think that self, self-care and personal well-being should be part of the leadership conversation? Absolutely. Absolutely. And in fact, I, I, am, I direct a women's leadership development program for um, Black female IT executives. <laughs> so it's through this, this organization called the Information Technology Senior Management Forum. And it's a year-long program for Black women who are IT executives. And what was very important to them as we were designing the program was to make sure that we focused on, and you'll love this, mind, body, and soul. I love so that. They, so we, we made sure that we not only talked about leadership traits, but that we started with a lot of what I already do, which is helping them understand who they are at their core. But at the very end, so we start with seek, which is understanding who you are at your core. Then we move to study, which is let's learn about common leadership traits. But then finally, let's go into the SOAR phase. And in the SOAR phase, it's let's give you all the tools that you need in order to be a successful person. And by being a successful person, you will in turn be a a successful leader. So things like stress management, uh, morning routine uh, and ritual. So we we just read The Miracle Morning by Hal Elrod last month. We've been, uh, right now we're talking about happiness and setting intentions, stress management, uh, tools at their disposal like meditation and yoga. Um, we're going to be talking about just financial wellness, mental wellness, emotional wellness, and how that contributes to us being successful. Um, Even things like time management. So I don't know if you've heard of the book, Drop the Ball by Tiffany Dufu. No. 
it's a great book about uh, basically that we need in order for for women <laughs> to be successful, we need to drop some of the balls in our lives. We have too many balls that we're trying to to manage in the air, and not all of them have the same level of priority. So let's let some things go in order for us to maintain our sanity and to to truly be successful. So we're we're going to be reading that one next. But I absolutely believe that in order for us to be successful, we have to focus on our self-care and self-wellness self and emotional wellness, or wellness in all forms, honestly, first. Because, I mean, like the, the whole saying goes, you know, you got to put on your, your, um, your oxygen mask first, because if you don't, then, you know, everything else will, will fall, fall down by the wayside. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and you know, it's funny that you use that analogy because that was that was something, you know, that's a common analogy in this conversation. And um, I actually had a guest uh, last season who framed it a little bit differently that I thought was interesting, which was um, rather than thinking of putting the oxygen mask on on first, it's sort of thinking about you as part of a unit, right? So whether that unit is your family or your um, coworkers or your, you know, your team or whatever, you know, if one piece of that circle or one, you know, cog <laughs> is not well, then the rest are not well. Um, so it was just a slightly different way to, to frame that same, that same piece. And it actually, it sounds like the women in the group you're talking about that they were the ones who said, this is important to us. Is that, is that the case or do you find resistance to that? Actually, it was the organization who brought me in to lead this program. They had already put, put in that structure to say, okay, we don't know exactly what all of the curriculum components are, but so we want you to develop that. But we know that this framework of seek, study, soar is what we believe is going to be necessary. And as an organization, they, they talk about mind, body, and soul being a very important uh, philosophy as a, a part of their organization, which is very um, interesting for an information technology business organization. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so it was so refreshing to see. Yeah. Do you feel like that's, that's starting to shift? Like, are you seeing more organizations that you work with prioritizing those things? Yeah. Well, it's interesting. I'm seeing the, I'm seeing more organizations in general prioritizing those things. I mean, you hear about uh, the whole Ariana Huffington movement, right? And, mm -hmm. you know, how at Huffington Post, before she left, she put in the, the nap rooms. And um, you even hear of companies like LinkedIn, LinkedIn and Google, um, incorporating some some components of wellness and well-being that are very different than what we saw even 20 years ago. So I do see that. Um, I see more companies being a little bit more conscious and conscientious in terms of what uh, they're just philosophies on on uh, how to motivate their employees and making sure that they're getting the most out of them. I think that we have a long way to go. So some of of my clients get it. Some of them are not quite there yet. <laughs> I do think that we have a ways to go, but I do, I think we're on the right path for sure. The people who don't quite get it yet, what, what are their objections? Is it time? Is it money? I mean, usually there's a, well, let's be honest, <laughs> usually yeah. the objections to most things. <laughs> yes, yes. So I, I think a part of it is just a complete, a paradigm shift and and particularly many of our 
corporations in, in, in this country are dominated by men. And mm-hmm. many of these philosophies, I mean, we've, we're seeing a lot of men who are, you know, who are incorporating many of these wellness practices, which is fantastic. But I think the masculine way, the quote unquote masculine way of doing things is very much this hustle, grind, work hard, getting your badge of honor of working, you know, 80 hours per week. And what we're finding that the, the data <laughs> shows that that is not how you get the most productivity out of your employees, that having downtime during the day to, to take a rest. Like, can we incorporate the siesta in the U.S.? <laughs> corporate cultures please like please let's do that and I even as someone who left corporate America and I am an entrepreneur I find it still difficult for me to break myself out of those habits totally I do think it's more so a paradigm shift um, than anything else. Now, if we can show the the money benefit, like the the financial reward and benefit clearly, then I do think that some of these companies will will change their behavior more quickly. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, isn't that interesting how you get stuck in those patterns? I had the same experience when I left the corporate space. It, it's taken me years to sort of understand that. Um, oh wait, I could go for a run in the middle of the day, and that that actually makes me more productive. But I still have like this corporate guilt. <laughs> yes, yes, right. Absolutely. Like I can. I'm I'm high fiving you through <laughs> the computer. Yes. Yeah, it's such a weird thing. It's just this residual. Um, yeah, it's hard to make that paradigm shift, even if you agree with it. It's it can be sometimes challenging to to break out of that. Um, yeah, I would love to hear a little bit more about you personally, Kylie, and kind of how you um, define self care and well being at this point in your life for yourself. How do I define self care? Self care and well being for me, I am putting a lot more emphasis on what what I need at any given point in time. So self, self-care for me is really tapping into what do I need now for me to be the best person possible, the best me possible. And sometimes that may mean that I need to take a run in the, in the middle of the day. Sometimes like yesterday, it may mean that I, you know what? My favorite restaurant is across the street. And I'm going to go there for lunch and they have the best margaritas. I love it. It may mean, you know what? I have this massage gift card that I haven't used. And thank God I can use that in the middle of the day and go work out there at the Mandarin Oriental in the beginning or in the middle of the day, because I know that it's going to make me a better person for my family, for myself, for my clients in the long run. So those are some of the things that, uh, or that's how I define self-care and how I've been practicing it. Yeah. Yeah. And that it shifts from day to day. I, I like that. You know, that's, that's a, been a recurring theme recently as well. I think that um, that flexibility and understanding that it's not the same every day, that it's not a rigid set of rules, that it's more about, hmm, what do I need right this minute to, yeah. And where do you, where do you struggle with that? You know, um, where do you struggle with prioritizing it? Because it, it does become a struggle for, for all of us, I think. Yeah, absolutely. The biggest struggle for me right now is related to physical fitness. 
So, and I've been doing some, some work around this lately. <laughs> and I actually have a great person for, for, uh, you to interview that I'll share with oh, you great. Interview as well. I'm someone who left corporate America and has this fantastic approach to well-being, And, and she's helped me uncover some of the stories I've been telling myself. (laughs) (laughs) So I'll let you in on my, on, on, on yes, deep dive. Yes, yes, yes. (laughs) On some of the baggage I have. But one thing that I learned over time is that when it comes to, you know, fitness, not even fitness, when it comes to losing weight, when it comes to losing weight, I can lose weight faster by watching what I eat versus working out. So this is something that I learned a long time ago. Wasn't even conscious about it. So I always prioritized eating how I ate and nutrition over working out. Well, Laura, I'm over 40 now (laughs) and I have a child that's almost two years old and my body, my metabolism is not like it used to. Oh, I hear you. That I cannot I can't not exercise. So I ha- I've been working on, you know, just deprogramming myself on that. Actually, working out is so critical for overall health and well-being. And the times that I do it, I'm like, oh my gosh, I feel so much better. So how can I, so what I'm in the process of now is figuring out how can I do manage my day and my schedule in a way that I can have that run in the middle of the day, that I can take, take a, a yoga class, you know, at a, at a point in time in the day or have my husband pick up our daughter instead of me or where, you know, whatever, whatever it is, but it, I, I'm feeling the pull to make it more of a priority, much less because it's something that I need to uh, maintain my weight or lose weight as I would have thought about in the past. And it's really to be healthy and to be more productive as a person. Yeah. Tell me more about that turning point because it sounds like, you know, and, and maybe it has to do with the stories or, but what was the turning point for you? What shifted to make you sort of be like, okay, this has got to be the priority. It was after I stopped breastfeeding my daughter <laughs> and I started, I started eating differently because I wasn't, you know, burning 500 extra calories per day. And I realized that that baby weight that came off so quickly was getting back on. And I thought, okay, well, let me, I don't have time to work out is what I told myself. So let me eat differently. Well, that didn't work. And my, my friend told me about this, this uh, approach that she has that I, I mentioned um, briefly, and it's, it's called B-printing. And you basically identify one area of your life that you want to change. So, and she wanted to walk me through the process as an example of the process, more so to, to show it to me versus me getting as anything out of it. But I got so much out of it going through that process. And like I said, one of the things that talks about is what are the stories you tell yourself about this? And I realized, oh my gosh, like I really wasn't conscious of that prior to, to that exercise. And I realized this is the story I've been telling myself. And if I continue on, this could be, this could make a huge impact on my health, you know? So, so that was the turning point for me. 
Yeah. Well, and just having, it's interesting. I, I hear so many stories about, and, and I've had um, situations in different areas of my life where someone outside, you know, a different perspective, a coach, you know, whatever it is, asks you this one question, <laughs> this one sort of perspective shift. In this case, it was the stories that you were telling yourself, which can be really powerful, you know, and, and I think, yeah, not to toot our horns as people who coach, but I mean, that's one of the advantages of working with a coach, whether that's a personal trainer or a health coach or an executive coach, whatever is to, yeah, is to have someone ask you those questions. Right. Right. And give you that perspective because it's impossible to have that perspective on your own. Yeah, it really is. It really is. No matter how self-aware you are, and you know, I consider myself a better than better than average at self-awareness. But yeah, I mean, it's just there's certain things that you just cannot see. So, what's something about your uh, self-care routine that's especially fun for you? Hmm. I've been doing something different lately. So, for the past three years, I've been doing a Miracle Morning Challenge. Um, so this was actually the fourth time that I did it. I started it in uh, 2015. And so for the month of the month of January, I do Hal Elrod's Miracle Morning Routine. And every day for the month of January. And for those of you who don't know what it is, it's, um, it's meditation, affirmations, visualization, exercise, reading, and journaling. And this year, I was doing it again, and I, I realized that, you know, I, I, all the steps were doing, I, I was doing them and getting some benefit out of it, but it was more like, okay, these are the steps and not, this is why you do the steps. Mm. So I created my own. So very long way to answer your question of what's <laughs> fun. <laughs> I am really enjoying my new morning routine. And I, the, the acronym that I use is CLAIM. So first thing I do in the morning is clear my mind. So that's meditation. Um, then I lift my energy, lift my vibration. Think about something that helps me get into a, a really positive state. Then I go to affirmations and appreciation. So I affirm what I know that I'm good at. And then with appreciation, you know, I give thanks. Sometimes it's in a um, form of prayer. Sometimes it's a gratitude journal or just, you know, thinking about what I'm thankful for. I is setting my intention and imagination. So visual, it's bringing in that visualization piece, that imagining what I want to happen and really tapping into the feeling of that. And then the M is manifested. So let me go out and do it. So doing that, sometimes it only takes 15 minutes, but starting my day with those steps really puts me in a an amazing place. And then I want to keep it up. I want to, to feel that way for the rest of the day. So when I feel my energy lowering throughout the day, then I tap into some of those things so that I can raise my energy up. I love that. That's such a great, and I love that you created your own acronym for it. It's, that's so great. Um, I know that's going to help some, some people that I, that's, I might, you know, it's, I'm thinking about my own morning routine and it could very much fall into that same acronym in many cases. So I, yeah, that's, I mean, there's some, there are some pieces of it that I, that I could add. And I, um, so thank you for that. Cause I'm just sort of thinking, yeah, that's, uh, and I also love that claim because claiming, I, I imagine you thought about this when you chose that, that word as the acronym, but claiming that time for yourself and claiming that space, that sense of spaciousness, you know, is kind of what came to mind for me. Yes, Absolutely. 
Yeah, I love that. So what are your thoughts about uh, work-life balance, especially given that you work with so many corporate clients? I, I, I'm always curious to know people's reactions to that particular term. <laughs> it's a farce, Laura. It's, there's no I agree there. with you totally. <laughs> yeah, and I used to ask that question in a more leading way. And now yeah. I've learned to like, no, just ask it open-ended because I'm, now I'm really curious. But yes, totally yeah. with you. Yes, it, it is the thing as work-life balance. I mean, I, they're one of my clients. They have um, they call it work-life fill-in-the-blank, which I think is a much more appropriate. <laughs> <laughs> like, what, what works for you? I don't know many people who who have achieved work-life balance. What I hear, it's more for some people, it's work work-life management, and that's that's what I. Uh, prescribed to. Some people consider it work-life integration. Mm -hmm. Some people just try to figure it out day by day. And some things will, you know, you can't do everything great every day. Sometimes it's, you know, the, the, the kids will, will not get the priority. Sometimes the job won't get the priority. Sometimes the mate won't get the priority. Sometimes friends won't get the priority, but sometimes they will. And it's, and it all evens out in the long run. That's as close to balance as I, I can see it. Yeah, I love, and I love that you talk about the shifting priorities, right? One day the, the priority might be your partner. One day the priority might be the kids. One day the priority might be work. And that, yeah, over the course of your life, that's probably going to work out okay as long as you're being intentional about it. I think that that's, yeah, absolutely. It's such a, um, it sets us up to fail. You know, it's something that I talk to women about all day long. It's just, um, yeah, it dri- that term drives me crazy. <laughs> me too. <laughs> <laughs> And it's funny because they don't, in conferences, it's like, it, it's always a question like, what do you think about work-life work balance and how do you achieve work-life balance when it's women on stage, but they never ask men. So I'm doing a series on my oh, podcast wow. with men and I've asked almost everyone that question too. Just, <laughs> I feel like it's, it's my, I'm doing my part. Absolutely. Well, I'm curious, what have they, what have they said? Well, one said, you'll have to ask my wife. And then oh. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> he started by saying that, and then he, he, he saved himself a bit. <laughs> um, the, uh, another answered it very similarly to how I, and I actually say, I don't believe in work-life balance, but I do believe in work-life management. So how do you man- manage the priorities you have in your life? And um, one, one of my guests, has two children, married with two children, and is a chief branding officer. And and he he said similar to what I said in terms of you know something's got got to give almost every day. But I know what's important to me, and when things are important, I make sure that those things are a priority. If my son has a baseball game, then I'm going to be there. If my company is doing a big launch, then I'm going to be there. And everyone may be a little bit disappointed at times, but in the long run, they know that I care and they know that I'm, I'm present when I am there. Yeah. Yeah. I like that frame for sure. So what's next for you? What are you excited about? I'm excited about a lot of things. This, <laughs> this year, um, the next 12 months, there's just so much going on. So I'm working on a book. 
I am um, doing a lot of work with corporate clients in uh, creating some more leadership development programs, targeting women in business and to see more women get into the C-suite, which is something that I'm passionate about. I'm especially passionate to see more Black women get into the C-suite because we're seeing declining numbers in many different industries. So anything that I can do to help shift that (laughs) um, is something that I'm really excited about. I'm doing some more work in television. So that's something that's, that I feel like is supposed to be a part of my story. So working on some, some initiatives around that. And then finally, working on my first conference. So I'm having my first women's leadership conference in January of 2019. Oh, that's so exciting. already starting to work on developing that. And I'm super excited. I already have the lineup. And I'm just so, so excited about what this is going to, to be. Oh, that's exciting. Is that going to be in Atlanta? Yes. Yes. Nice. So where can people learn more about you and your work? Sure. They can go to KylieCarr.com and that's K-A-I-L-E-I-C-A-R-R.com. You can find me on social media. I'm Kylie Carr everywhere. I'm on LinkedIn, on Facebook, on Instagram. And, um, and yes, I would love, I would love to connect with anyone who is listening in and would like to connect with me. Yeah. And I'll put all those links in the show notes. Thank you so much, Kylie. This was really fun. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you so much for having me. That's it for this week's episode of Women on the Rise. Visit lauradolch.com slash podcast for show notes and resources mentioned in this episode. You can download other episodes of this podcast and subscribe in the iTunes store or in Apple Podcasts. If you liked what you heard, I so appreciate your reviews and recommendations because they help me reach as many women on the rise as possible. This episode was produced by me with editing help from Dave Nelson at Lens Group Media. Tune in every week for new interviews that give you the practical tools you need to recapture your momentum, mind, body, and soul. The Riveter is a women-forward workspace designed for community, work, and wellness. Not just a desk and a co-working space, The Riveter is a transformative movement for all women and their advocates to invite ambition. The Riveter provides the support, resources, and amenities to build successful businesses. Their members are entrepreneurs, remote workers, consultants, and everyone in between. They even have a community membership plan that provides access to professional development and fitness programming without the desk. The Riveter now has two locations in Seattle's Capitol Hill and Free neighborhoods, and a third location will open this year in LA. If you're interested, visit info.theriveter.co, that's C-O, slash women on the rise for a special offer for women on the rise listeners. That's info.theriveter.co slash women on the rise.